Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive. Left field. It is out of here. This is a simple game. You throw the ball. You hit the ball. You catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 48 of The Roundtable, the only baseball podcast that asks the tough questions, like uh, who is Steph Curry throwing it to? Uh, why is Jordan Poole? Um, but we'll get to that. This is uh, a baseball podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Mark Carrig, Andy McCullough. We will be joined later in the episode by our own Katie Wu, who will tell us uh, what in the heck's going on with the Cardinals. I don't think uh, it's good stuff. Andy, how you doing? I'm good. I guess maybe I can check out when Katie gets here and we can just have three Bay Area people complain about LeBron just crushing you. Who's, who is Lonnie Walker? Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth. He is the son of Lonnie Walker the third. <laughs> Literally, had never heard the name before. Yeah, I'm not today. a basketball guy, so like all these people show up. That Lakers got this uh, white guy with the dumb haircut, and it's, he's just like draining shots. And it's he's like, annoying. Who, who is this? Who guy? is that guy? That, is yeah. that the guy with the headband? And his shorts are too small. Caruso, Alex Caruso. There's just a lot of annoying things about this team. Man, it must be tough being a Warriors fan. Wow. I must reiterate, this is a baseball podcast. And so we're going to segue not so seamlessly into actual baseball talk. Uh, And we're just going to jump right in because I'm curious. Mark says he's got a a rant. Mark's got a a little bit of the ass. No, no, Something new and different. No. Mark showed up late with problems. It's not. You got got a bit of the ass is what I've heard. No, I don't. So the first problem is I've been listening to sports talk radio, and that's a problem, okay? Like, I didn't know I shouldn't do that, but I did it. I have to drive my kids around a lot, so it's either that or the Moana soundtrack. And, like, you know, the latter has been, like, you know, every day for the last four years, it feels like, so I get to break <laughs> it up a little bit, okay? And because I can't get KNBR on the car radio, I get WFAN. And it's amazing to me that this town can't wait to fire everyone except for Buck Showalter. I don't understand it. Like, the Mets suck right now. They're terrible, okay? They're unwatchable. All of their flaws are coming to the surface. They're ready to fire everybody associated with the New York Mets, except for Buck Showalter. Why should they fire him? I don't know, and I'm not not (laughs) advocating that they should. I'm just wondering 
What yeah. has this guy no, done? Why, why, why would you listen to sports talk radio when you can listen to well-thought-out arguments like this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, why is it that it seems like this guy sidesteps all of this other crap that everyone else has to deal with? Isn't he part of the issue if the team is going into the toilet? Like, why is he exempt from any criticism? I just don't understand it. And it's like, you can't even be like, well, because he's won a bunch of championships. No, he hasn't. Well, at least he's going to get him to the World Series. He can tell you all about that. Actually, no, he hasn't. No, he can't. He's gone to the same amount of World Series as the last two guys that sat in that chair. So, which is zero. Just if you're keeping score at home. So I'm not saying that they should fire him. It's freaking May. I'm aghast, though, at how somebody has been able to sort of almost create this force field around themselves where they're untouchable. And I, for the life of me, I can't figure out why that is. Like, what did he do to become untouchable? That's all. That's my only question. Now, Andy's going to turn this into, oh, you're trying to get him fired. Ha, ha, ha. But that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just wondering... <laughs> Why is it that this guy can't be touched? What did he do? Because it's not his fault that they're not playing well. And unlike, okay, so when people complain about Aaron Boone, you can get into like the tactical merits of that discussion, right? Like in in the past, in the postseason, and shut up about the 2016 wildcard game. No, no, I'm not going to shut up about that. Shut up, I can see your face. I can see you want to do it. I get it. Let me make my point. God, (laughs) when they complain about Aaron Boone outside of individual tactical misfires, whether it's regular season, postseason, they are more complaining about a perceived culture of complacency with the Yankees. And Aaron Boone is considered a part of that because he's been part of Brian Cashman's regime for several years now. So it's more of a blanket complaint. Showalter's in year two. They won 101 games last year. He changed or at least helped foster a theoretically winning culture. They stink this year because they are overloaded with veteran players, most a lot of whom have gotten hurt. There's no real reason for him to be considered someone who should be on the hot seat or the wobbly chair. Did that make sense? Did I explain it to you in a way? I understand all of that, and I, I grant you that point. All I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> Buck Walter in The Untouchables, very good. Very good, Producer Brian. But no, that is all true. And like, this is the, I, I already said it, man. The first problem with me is that I'm listening to this sports talk radio. Okay, so I know that this is like nonsense. But that said, this is the time of year when a team looks like that, where people here freak out. And I just don't understand why this guy is around a halo. That's all. He's, he's like, it is like the Instagram influencer of major league managers. All right. He's got a lot, of, a lot of followers and a lot of influence and all this stuff. What's he done? All right. Like when you look at the resume, what's the dude actually done? He's a good major league manager. Obviously he's gotten jobs, teams have won. But like, well, if we're going to look at accomplishments, it's awfully short for somebody that is supposedly a genius. That's all. So like uh, that's that's all I'm saying. Grant, you want to take this one? I don't know what's I don't know what the deal is. 
It's not Buck Showalter's fault that Max Scherzer forgot how to strike people out and is walking more batters. It's not uh, Showalter's fault that David Peterson has gotten six starts and that Joey Lacazy's in the rotation. The Mets have gotten two starts from someone I am finding out for for the first time. And I'm assuming it's not pronounced Jose Butto, but I want to believe it is. I'm sure it's Jose Butto, but still... Yeah. They've gotten starts from Jose Butto. You know what I mean? I can't like, can't wait not... for Jose Butto to face friend of the pod, Brandon Fat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's like, this is not show, Walter. Right. He's I know saying it's the not. right things in the press. It. He's saying play better. Like, uh, th- yeah. What is else he, is he supposed to say? Is, I don't know. Like, I mean, Look, he I was mean, getting Mark, ripped like... on here yesterday for not being urgent enough, for not, like, throwing guys under the bus or whatever, which, again... I grant you this. Like, this is not a logical argument that okay, I'm good. making. I know that. <laughs> All right? It's not logical to fire anybody in May. I know that. I'm just saying, though, fandom isn't logical. And so when you listen to the fans in this town, what I don't understand is, like, why is it that everybody should be pushed off the plank except for Buck Showalter? That's all. I'm just asking that question. Like, I, don't, I just do not get what the pull is. That protects him from the nonsense that everybody else seems to face. I know it's not totally his fault. I get that. No no manager in that scenario can be blamed for that. That's not the nature of that particular job. I totally get it. But that doesn't mean that people can't go crazy about him. He's in the second year and they won 101 games last year. Mark's just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. Do your own research, Mark. Do your own research. And and he's in the second year. Like, I do think, actually, it'll be on Grant next week. It should be the responsibility of one of us to show up every show and just be like, look, I got a really stupid thing I got to (laughs) say. And it is a stupid thing. I I know. I did it last week with the the Homer celebrations. And, like, Mark, you know, (laughs) like, Mark's like, hey, I just want you guys to know, like, I got some dumb shit. That I really need to get off my chest. Grant, it is. It's on I you get for it. next week. All it right. Uh, uh, edible Rosenbags. God damn. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, no, I get what you're saying. It's it's why is he not getting it? But I think uh, that's th- all. to Andy's that's point, all. it's early. But I think that anyone, even the, the, the WFAN listener caller, can look at this roster and go, wow, Max Scherzer is not the same pitcher that he's been his entire career for whatever reason. Justin Verlander's been hurt. He's also 73 years old. Like, they can look at this roster and... It, you don't have to say it, it like it's a conspiracy. It's it's uh, oh well, you know, Buck's not pushing the right buttons. Jose Buto is like walking the world. You got slipping Tyler McGill, you know, walking the world in there. You got <laughs> issues with this team that are so plain on on its face. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. When, when you can't pitch, it's hard to manage. Again, all logical points, all true. I agree with you. But I'm trying. I'm I'm talking in the illogical realm of sports talk radio callers, sure. who are just looking for people to blame. And you would think that if you're them, everybody be, should be subjected to this. And Buck somehow is just like that Frogger, like just going across the street untouched. All these cars are whizzing by. Like I I don't get it. He's gotten like fired from every job he's had. Like what? <laughs> like, right. What? And yet and yet he is talked about. Okay. Dusty Baker has a World Series championship ring. And in my opinion, I feel like the thing that... Dusty's a hundred different things, but no one's gone, man, this guy's really smart. Nobody's saying that. And it's like, what? Meanwhile, Buck hasn't done any of that. And the first thing is, man, this guy's really smart. Like, 
How did that happen? Well, I think the, the the dusty narrative you are talking about, I believe, has certainly changed in the past ten years. But that is a hundred percent something he dealt with in the first, you know, oh 15. my goodness, and he had one I, I, I think tenant in that. Yeah, po- Mark, at that point. I do think like, what you're saying, what you're saying about Dusty, that is uh, not the way he is covered, at least by like our generation of sports writers. I would say I would agree with that. I think it's certainly changed. It's just I'm always been fascinated by like that that tag of genius, right? So I grew up in the Bay Area. Bill Walsh was called that because he was right, like he was a a genius. But I wonder, this like, how do guy. people do actually get that sort of like halo around them of genius when, in the case of Buck, like he's never won a championship, right? Like he's done a lot of great things. He's a good major league manager, but like he gets talked about like he's got a, a trophy case full of accolades. Like world championships doesn't. Before the 2014 ALCS, the Wall Street Journal ran a story where it was called uh, "The Chess Master and the Dunce," and it was a story about Buck Showalter and Ned Yost. <laughs> they did not. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Ned Yost was called a dunce by I the mean, Wall Street Journal. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, Ned Yost with a World Series championship and two pennants to his name is the dunce. I mean, this was before he'd won the pennant. But yes. Right, but like at that point, before that, he and Buck had the exact same championships and pennants. So, uh, anyway, proving my point. Whatever. I'm sorry. I'm so- thanks for letting me cook. I don't know why this bothered me. I should stop listening to the radio. Yeah, go back okay. to Moana. I- <laughs> Can you present your argument like with more of an accent? See if that improves like what you're saying. Can- <laughs> Like, hey, book guy. Like, can you give me one of those? And maybe I'll go like, oh, uh, hell yeah, this guy is cooking. I'm so sorry, round table heads. I really am. I know that this is dumb. I'm being dumb. It was my turn this week. I should say, I met a, uh, a round table head in the flesh Chilling. this weekend. Wow. Uh, Chilling. Yeah. So, Christopher, thank you for the beer. I owe you one at some point. But yeah, round table heads, they're out there. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward I to will Chris say, and uh, I will say, I am stunned by the number of people who come up to me and reveal that they are roundtable heads by pointing out how stupid something Karig said that week was. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll give him more stuff. Yeah, yeah, stay hot. Yeah, exactly. Hey, here's a question before Katie gets here. So we know who the two best teams are, right? Braves and Rays. Who's the third best team? Because this is like as mediocre and like flat. <laughs> uh, this is like as as indistinct a season, at least in terms of who is good, that I've seen in quite some time. I feel like at least for the first whatever month, six weeks. Yeah, it's flattened. Like it, it's it seems you know. It, are you all in on the Rangers? Perhaps I don't yeah. think I'm just there yet. Uh, the Pirates. Uh, let me see what they've done. Re- Ooh. Oh, dear. And that's the last time we'll talk about them this year. And, uh, no, I'm teasing Pirates fans. Uh, uh, listen, it, it's going to sound stupid, but it, it's, it's the Dodgers, right? It's the Dodgers. I mean, it's we're, we're past that uh, early weirdness, uh, Will Smith. Uh, back, the Dodgers are doing their, their thing now. And I... I I just think it's the Dodgers. Padres fever was fun for a little bit, uh, but I think I think it's Dodgers who are the third. Yeah, best the team. Padres are the team they have always been. The Orioles, they actually have the third most victories right now. The pitching is short, 
But that's a, you know, it's a nice club, right? I think. Like I said a few times, they are my MLB.TV team. Yeah. I just, I, I love turning on a good O's game these days. I'm O's build. I am uh, O's pilled. So <laughs> I don't know about third best team yet because the pitching, you got to have more pitching than that. Yeah, that pitching, the pitching is just going to get chewed up in the East. Yeah, but I mean, the, with the unbalanced schedule, there. That's all I was just going to say. But even balance. with the unbalanced the schedule, you still balance, play the no. East. Balanced. Balanced. It's balanced. Yeah, it's unbalanced for the uh, for everyone who has to play the East now. For the Central, they're like, this is incredibly unbalanced. <laughs> okay, but okay. So get the bell ready. But Andy, didn't you cover a club that had a bunch of young, dynamic position players? Uh, a lot of dudes in the bullpen who could throw hard. Ooh, the 2017 and, Dodgers. And, and iffy starting pitching. Uh, like starting pitching that wasn't like, you know. They're starting pitching. Okay, God. Their starting pitching was not iffy. I must say their starting pitching was not Well, bad. I was talking about the Royals, but, you know. Yes, I was talking about the Royals too. Okay. The 14-15 Royals had better starting pitching than they are remembered having. But, yes, they did have a young, athletic base of position players. They had an excellent shutdown bullpen at a time when that was kind of rarer, right? When teams had like a shutdown reliever, they had like four or five guys. So yeah, if you're saying that the the O's have that sort of model in place, I, I, I don't think their starters are the same caliber as those teams, but I see the I see the point. With a team like the Orioles and the fact that they're winning without a ton of reliable starting pitching, I think that is, if you're going to be lacking something heading into the trade deadline, that's kind of an enviable position because there should be starters available. And it's not like the offseason where you're really hoping that this guy's the same pitcher he was last year and you just don't know until you get out there. But you can see how these guys are pitching up to the trade deadline and say, I want that guy. And I want that guy. And I think the O's are in a good position to do that. And if that's all they need, you know, this might not be the Orioles team that we're seeing on August uh, 2nd. Yeah, I mean, look at the Chicago White Sox. We talked about them last week. If they are, you know, stay on this trajectory of theirs. Nice home run celebration they introduced, by the way. Um, but like if, you know, like there's there's some intriguing arms there that I'm sure teams could make a run at. So, yeah, I mean, is it, I think it's a fixable Who do you want on issue. the White Sox? Well, look, I mean, Cease, I, I read something. Yeah, Giolito, Cease, you know, like they're, again, like these are guys that like at least would catch people's attention. So, you know, you can debate whether like that's the wise move or not. But like if, if we're talking about available inventory, I think clearly those are two names that stick out right away. But I kind of see the Orioles as like that team where, man, they've got a lot of good things going and the issues that they have could be things that could be addressed. It's a good place to be good place to be and, and they you know they have certainly paid the price for it right like they, <laughs> i mean good lord but you know it, it is cool to see that you know stick like adley rushman is awesome let me just put i mean I'm, like he's so much fun to watch just a great young player you know and everything they say about him in the room and all that like it's it's very cool reminds me of the stuff they would say about a catcher that used to play in the bay area so you know very cool like, and i think that's a good third place team what would you say milt may yeah yes milt classic may. classic uh milt may uh mike i Matheny? like Adley. what's that who's he talking about mike Matheny? <laughs> benji molinas is the guy benji on? <laughs> uh it is uh i just have to point out that adley rushman uh, just a great player but also a uh 
I think you should leave head. Like he can quote Tim Robinson at uh, at great length. And as someone who is wearing Dan Flash's shoes right now, I mean, I am I'm all in on on that guy. Uh, Mark has no idea what I'm talking about. Nope. Andy does, but he's not a big fan. We've talked about this, Grant. I th- I think you should leave is the piece of like media that I have the most separation with the people who I normally agree with on things like people whose sense of humor I really feel like I vibe with love that show and I think it's terrible (laughs) and it just it's like I've watched it I've watched the first season at least three times like waiting to laugh it's it's I I don't know it's weird it's anyway yeah uh, Mark it's a tv show I think it's a yeah I mean I am the standard or I am like the uh, deviation from the norm here because like the people who make me laugh love that show and I watch it and I'm like, yeah, of course SNL rejected these sketches. They all suck. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is how I feel like about uh, <laughs> this is how I feel about Bruce Springsteen. Like I just I keep waiting to listen to Bruce Springsteen and go like, oh, hell yeah, I get it. Like Nebraska is one of my favorite albums, but that's not really a Bruce Springsteen album. So every time I listen, I'm just like, nah, that's just, it's, it's plinky and it's saxophony and I don't quite get it. I mean, I think you just put on Piano Man and let Bruce take you away. I mean, it's a beautiful song. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Listen to Madcap Across the Water. Mad Man Across the Water. Love. uh, That's actually a Bloom (laughs) County comic strip where a guy's going to Bruce Springsteen concert and he says, "Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go, Bruce. I'm the Piano Man. Like that's the actual punchline of a Bloom (laughs) County comic strip. So, yeah. A buddy of mine, we would uh, whenever... um, Dancing in the Dark would come on. We would sing like, even if I'm just dancing with myself, just mixing up the song. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, you guys do sound like you have a good sense of humor. So like, yeah, I should, I should, <laughs> wow. I should care about your opinion about. It. I think you should leave. Look, I'm not like again. <laughs> I think I'm making very clear. I think I'm making very clear where I stand on this show. No, I know. I don't understand why the people who I respect really like it. And I, I'm not gonna like get. I'm not gonna like try and argue otherwise. I'm just telling you my opinion. No, that's fair. You're, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, all right. So we, it's, were the Orioles really getting consideration for like the third best team, or were we we just talking about the Orioles because it felt right? Well, they have the third best record. I guess so. Yeah. I just and then you know the Dodgers are up there. The the Rangers are up there. I you know the Rangers like Rangers are frisky, like officially. Uh, even without frisky. Jacob Degrom, they, that their position player core is intriguing. The Dodgers are the Dodgers, right? Like they will, they are not the team that they once were, but they have still a ton of talent, uh, a ton of pitching depth, a ton of prospect depth. James Outman, like, is you know might win National League MVP if he keeps up this pace. So. You know, I, I think the Dodgers will be fine. San Diego can't seem to get out of its own way. Juan Soto hits a ground out every at bat. Uh, just a very – things are breaking the Dodgers' way in a way that they all said would during spring training. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's it's uh, amusing to see that outcome, I guess, because they continue to get stuff right. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'll throw a wild card out there just based on not necessarily the record right now, but if I'm looking at overall talent, uh, still a believer in the Blue Jays. Like, you know, it's not like they're off to a terrible start, but if I'm looking at, okay, like we're doing the thing with the Orioles, you're projecting forward if they're starting rotation. If they've got uh, Kikuchi is looking like he's back, if Alec Manoa gets back on track because he's not been so hot this year, I like the Blue Jays still. I like them a lot. I like them a lot, a lot. So I don't know. I, I, I would... I don't think they're a third best team right now, how they're playing, but I think they have the potential to be the third best team very, very shortly. Well, I think if they hadn't had their little tussle in Boston, right, where the, the red squints kind of just you know, locked them <laughs> around Fenway Park, you know, this would have been a Blue Jay conversation in part, I think. But, you know, give credit to the uh, red squints. Boy, they, uh, they, they got crushed by those guys last year. And took it right back at him uh, in this in this like series last week. So, if it weren't for that, yeah, I'm with you, Grant. I, I mean, look, I I'm really high on the Blue Jays still. Like I had them winning the World Series, right? Like when we're doing our our predictions. So I think there's a lot of depth, as you mentioned right there. And you know, you're watching some high end players um, really perform. Like, are they going to do that all year? No, right? Like, but they have so many of them that. You know, like a good team does, they take their turns, right? And so, 
Is it hard to see them sustaining a decent clip all summer long? No, it's not, actually. So even when guys aren't like, like Alec Manoa hasn't been himself, um, but, you know, they've got, I feel like, enough around him to allow him the time to figure this out. And I think that's that's the hallmark of a good team. So sure, why not why not them in the conversation? Brandon Belt is uh, five for his last seven with three doubles. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? <laughs> I just wish I just wish Mark would hold the Blue Jays to the same standard that he holds Buck Showalter, <laughs> <laughs> because the Blue Jays have not won anything. They've they got two World Series championships and Bucks. Oh, oh, got okay, nothing. okay. So right. I'm just we're, saying, yeah, right. right? We're talking about 1993. Okay. Okay. Yeah, not recent <laughs> history where they've won 90 games and then crashed out of the postseason. Right. Yeah. Well, Buck hasn't won any World Series in recent history, too. What's your point? Like, no, I'm just saying you're an idiot. Um, well, yeah, but like, <laughs> well, that's a good place to segue because uh, we have Katie now. Katie Wu is here. Um, we are going to just, uh, we've got a lot of questions. We've been workshopping. We get together like a couple hours before every show and we talk about how, what we're going to talk about. We really get into the details. So we came up with a list of questions, Katie. First one, what? Uh, second one. Uh, are you serious? Like these are all about the Cardinals. So, uh, uh, huh? Like are, these are some of the questions we came up with. So, can you answer some of those? You can take them in any order. <laughs> yeah, sure. First of all, I did not know that this was live. So, I hope everyone enjoyed me chugging my orange juice. This is actually a detox juice to maybe detox whatever the heck is going on in St. Louis. Um, nice. But yeah, I don't really know where to start. I think what is kind of the question I've been asking myself for like a month now. I think when you look at everything involved with the Cardinals, you start with their record at 12 and 24. Uh, they won. They beat the Cubs on Monday, three to one. That was the first time they had won back-to-back games since April 11th and April 12th. And it was the first time all season they won a series opening game. They were 0 for 11 in series openers starting the year. Probably Ollie Marmel's least favorite question of the season was, when are you going to win a series opener? And that's just, you know, the overall record. <laughs> Sorry, just time out. How did he answer that question? <laughs> what did he say? Like, well, hopefully tonight. No, he. it was a, like a really long glare and you could feel like the tension in the room. And everyone was just kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, Sorry, continue. But I the answer love... was, was Monday. I'm going to start asking questions like that. Aaron, do you plan on winning tonight? <laughs> start it with coach. Coach, do you <laughs> yeah, plan on winning coach. tonight? Yeah. Coach, what went wrong Coach, again? Coach, what went wrong again? Oh, it's the best. Anyway. Is the Wilson Contreras stuff, is that like a symptom of a larger problem? Is that something? Because that just seems like the weirdest story in baseball right now. Did anyone see that come? Obviously not. Like, is it anything other than the weirdest story in baseball, I guess? Oh, yeah. It, it was such a staggering decision by the Cardinals front office coaching staff to essentially yank the starting catcher they pledged five years to and almost 88 million dollars to uh five weeks into the first year of that five-year deal they were like you know what actually thank you no thank you we don't think you will be catching for us uh at least for the foreseeable future and i think this i think the cardinals were a little shocked by the backlash that this decision had i don't know why um, the optics are <laughs> certainly very poor. So to me, you know, to, to come in and, and hear people being like, wow, people are really shocked about this Wilson thing. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, 
the way that Ollie Marmel explained this, and I want to give some credit to Ollie. He's had a really tough five weeks, but especially with this Wilson thing culminating uh, on Contreras' return to Wrigley Field for the first time. The timing could not have been worse for Wilson, but credit to Ollie, who, who really takes the time to have these deep conversations with the media. I mean, he had a 20-minute pregame conversation yesterday, spent 20 minutes with me extra on the side explaining some things out, and he really thinks this is a proactive decision, not a reactive one, and he said, now that you know sounds not believable. I was like, correct. Um, but he goes, but hear me out. You know, there are some internal problems that we are keeping to ourselves. And we think that with Wilson, we either tackle this now and we'll take all the optics. We know the optics are bad. We know how horrible this looks. But we're confident that if we stop this now and we address the issues and temporarily remove him from behind the plate, we are stopping what could per- perhaps be a snowball effect two months later where all of a sudden – there's no way to fix the problems. And, and maybe, you know, there's not trust from anyone anymore, whether it's the coaching staff, pitching staff, or catching staff. There's no trust there, and we can't fix that. So they really are trying to be proactive. They have not done a very good job of getting that message out. Uh, they certainly have not taken into consideration up until Sunday how Wilson was feeling. This was a dude who felt really low, who was like, wow, I'm, I'm a catcher. I came here to catch, and now all of a sudden I might be playing left field. Uh, a very bizarre 48, 72 hours for St. Louis. But on Sunday, Adam Wainwright, Ollie Marmel, and Jack Flaherty met with Wilson Contreras. They all got on the same page. And at least for now, Wilson seems to be feeling better about the decision. Obviously, he's a guy that wants to be behind the plate. But I think when this first came out, the the thought overall was he's never going to catch again. And that's not the case. So is the idea, and I guess you said they're not going to get into the details of it, but the general gist is like they've decided he either can't frame, can't game call, can't game plan, can't throw, can't do something, you know, in the quarterback role behind the plate, and now he's going to learn it during the season? Yes. And the the big question, right, is – well, how do you expect Wilson to build trust and build that rapport with his pitching staff if he's not catching them? And the only <laughs> the only answer we got was, that's a fair question, which, yeah, that, that was why the question was asked. Um, so it's going great. Yeah. Yeah. It, to me, it just, I think it's it's further emphasize, uh, emphasized because the, the Cardinals record is so bad it's, and the way that they've played has been so bad. Uh, and now it's like on top of all of this, they have a starting catching problem. And it's just like the, the perfect culmination of badness. When I look at this, the thing that I, I'm wondering is whenever a, a manager's hired, the thing you hear constantly is we, we're going to be good communicators, right? Organizations, oh, we're going to communicate, 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 communicate. Literally the first week of the season, the manager gets into it with a player. Now you've got this fiasco. My question is, are they just having a bad five weeks or has there been communication problems in the organization and now we're seeing it come to the fore? Like, what's your read on that? Because obviously it's something that appears that they've got to clean up. And I'm just wondering if this is like a flare up or are we seeing now the tip of something bigger that's going on and has been going on? What's your take there? I think it's easy to tie those events together because they were both so bizarre. Uh, your manager calling out, you're starting at that point center fielder five games into the season. 
is very strange, but it's not something that Ali Marmel hasn't done before. He has done this before. It had a diff much different results. But I don't think that the communication issues in this case are related. I do think there was an organizational failure across the board in getting this message out about Contreras and what their process is. Again, I think they were really surprised that this was national news. I still don't understand why they did not think that was going to be national news. Um, but they, over the last two or three days, they've realized, okay, the optics are really bad, especially, again, to do it right before Contreras goes back to Wrigley Field, where the whole premise there was he's not a good defensive catcher, he can't catch, we're not re-signing him. And, you know, he makes his debut. And to Wilson's credit, he, had, he won that game for the Cardinals yesterday with his bat. That's how he's going to have to win games for them, at least for the foreseeable future. But I do think the communication about the Contreras conundrum here, I do like the word fiasco too. That also works. I think it was a just a failure across the board, whether it was the front office trying to get out in front of it, uh, leaving Ollie Marmel to answer all of these questions. Contreras comes in. He doesn't even know that the backup catcher, Trace Barrera, has been called up. Just all around, just completely messed up across the board. And I'll give, again, Ollie some credit in calling that meeting on Sunday. He saw how Wilson was reacting. He saw, you know... The, how it was wearing on him. And he said, okay, I need some of my pitchers here to, to walk us through. So they get the two longest tenured starters in the rotation, Adam Wainwright and Jack Flaherty. And that seemed to really help. And, you know, Wilson said too yesterday, I'm in a much better spot than I was over the weekend. But the communication here, PR nightmare. You know, I'm not exactly a public relations genius, but I think part of my problem with how this is all handled is it seemed like there was a path to saying, hey, you know what, we're going to kind of move you from behind the plate. More DH time for you. We're going to figure a few things out. Um, you know, maybe even the outfield, I don't know. Uh, instead, they, like, leaned into the microphone and said, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals would like to announce that Wilson Contreras is now an outfielder. Um, this is not weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, that is, there was a path to where two weeks from now, you were in the clubhouse and you're going, hey, hey, Ollie. Just a quick question is, what's the reason for fewer catching appearances yeah, for Wilson yeah, Contreras? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of Jimmy, like, you know, uh, Wilson Contreras is now uh, going to be playing center field for us. We will take no questions at this time. <laughs> that was weird. So, like, what is, did they just not expect the backlash? Do they not know how far KMOX's uh, antenna extend? Like, you can hear it in Arkansas. They're a national team. Would it be more on brand for the Cardinals for them to think that this they could get away with this? Like this is such a Cardinals thing to do. Like, oh no, we we got this. Like it, we'll be able to handle this. And it's the Cardinal way. We'll handle it. The reason why it is uh, become such an absurd story is because it's the exact opposite. This whole team all year has been the exact opposite of what I think the baseball industry wants expects from the Cardinals. They are not playing good baseball. They're they their their defense is not up to standard. They make mistakes on the base paths. Uh, they've not won more than three games in a row all season. And they've had a PR nightmare in handling their biggest offseason acquisition in recent memory. There was definitely a way to do that, what you're talking, Grant. But I think in talk, when in Ken Rosenthal's conversations with John Mazalock, they thought it was better to just do it all at once and, and get it out there. Hindsight is 2020. So maybe, maybe they would do something different. But I don't know what they were expecting when we saw Andrew Kisner catch a 7-15 night game, and then the next day see Andrew Kisner 1-15. <laughs> Whoops. Come on, you guys. I mean, give us some credit here. We're going to ask what's going on. The sort of, like, fundamental collapse of the team, like, they just play such, like, sloppy baseball all of a sudden. I guess what I'm wondering is, like, organizationally, have they considered sort of, like, codifying 
their strategies for how they want to play baseball, like maybe calling it like the Redbird rules or the St. Louis solution or just something that there's like a guide to how they want to play that they can maybe follow that. The Midwest manual. You just, you guys are just naming pay-per-views right now. Like what is, go on. I'm sorry. I think the Cardinals also severely underestimated how the rule changes would impact how they play this game. Oh. I really do. Uh, you look do you think at, that's the defense? I think that'd be part of the defense. I also think it's part of the reason the pitchers, uh, well, we, we were so skeptical coming in that the pitchers would be able to have their same success rate because most of their guys are pitch to contact, ground ball, weak contact guys. And the Cardinals, prior to the shift restriction, were so, so smart in defensive positioning and had such a great, I mean, they really set the standard in how to play defense and put yourself in the position to play good defense. And the shift restriction has limited them in that regard. The pitch clock, the pitch timer, has I think also kind of made everything a little worse with the whole Contreras pitchers, whatever you guys want to call that, because pitchers don't feel like they have enough time to shake off their catcher, go through the motions. The Cardinals believe that the catchers should call pitches behind the plate. That's their philosophy. They don't like to call pitches from the dugout. And I think the pitch clock also kind of, when you have a staff that is struggling already to put guys away and is not getting their usual bailed out from the defense, you're also having guys that need extra time on the mound to think of the pitch they want. And for the last two decades, Cardinals pitchers have been able to just look at a guy behind the plate and be like, cool, I'll throw that because you don't shake off your Yadier Molina. You might lose your head. And I think it's just they completely underestimated how these rules would impact their play. Yeah, I guess like going into the season, thinking about like which teams might be impacted by the rule changes, right? Like who are the who are the elite defensive teams like St. Louis and Tampa Bay come to mind? And I guess from an outside perspective, my thought would be, well, they can't shift as much, but they tend to have good athletes all over the field. And so they should be able to compensate for that. But it seems like that, you know, the points you're making, too, with sort of the the communication of the game calling, it's just the whole sort of run prevention machine just seems kind of jacked up at this point. Yes, everything is a little jacked up over there. Um, I will say, you know, I walked into the clubhouse at Wrigley Field and you guys know it's it's pretty the visitors clubhouse is pretty small and the like bass from the music scared me. I forgot what it was like to walk into a winning clubhouse and not like usually, (laughs) usually when I walk in, like the scene resembles like a memorial service. Like everyone's like looking at their feet like, Hey, uh, Miles Michaelis, can we have a second of your time? Um, But no, yesterday it was, it was crazy in there. And I was like, Whoa, forgot about this. So for the first time in a long time, it does seem like they have some momentum building, but it does nothing to erase what has just been a disastrous start. Oh, one one important thing. Do they have a home run celebration? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> of course <Okay>. not. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, maybe the Cardinals are going to win the division, guys. I uh, uh, maybe you, they you aren't can win until this NL Central with like eighty-five wins. An eighty-five win team is going to win this division. That is accurate. I think maybe they're struggling because they don't have a home run celebration. That's what I was going to say. That's that's just untrue. Like just one of those beaks, you know, with like the, the rubber <laughs> band behind it. And they can just run around like with a beak. Like I I got a list. I can send you a list. Man, this all 30 is going to be dope. Anyway, um, Wilson Contreras has an OPS plus um, of 109 this year. His career OPS plus is 114. How much higher do you think that's got to be to stick him in a spot where he's playing zero defense, right? Like, cause like that number behind the plate when you're relating to other catches, is pretty darn good. Obviously that's not going to be the case moving forward. So like, I guess how much are they expecting the bat to play up if any? Cause you would think that's part of the, the, the justification here. And like, I don't know. What do you think the ceiling is there? 
Yeah, Kirk, that's a, a great point. And actually, Wilson has a little bit of a cushion there because it's not like anyone except for Paul Goldschmidt is really putting up any kind of offensive numbers. Uh, Nolan Arnauto has the worst OPS maybe in his career uh, when you look at it in, in terms of like consistent games. He has just really been a shell of himself offensively. So the Cardinals will take any offense they can get. And, you know, Contreras has been one of their most productive offensive players. That's not saying much considering they probably have about three right now uh, in Goldschmidt and then Nolan Gorman. But that also is a huge thing in how really impacts how how the Cardinals can use their roster. If you're giving all your DH bats to Contreras in an effort to keep his bat in the lineup, which you should because he was brought to St. Louis, yes, to catch, but also to impact that heart of the lineup, you're taking the bats away from Nolan Gorman, who has been the primary DH. He's a 22-year-old guy in his second year. Cardinals really, really like him, and he leads the team at seven home runs. Uh, so now they have to put Nolan Gorman at second base in order to keep him in the lineup every day. So what does that do with Tommy Edmond, Brendan Donovan, and Paul DeYoung, who's had his struggles but has actually looked really good at the start of his year? So it creates a logjam. So now they put Donovan in the outfield. Well, what does that do for guys like Juan Yepes and Tyler O'Neill when he comes back? They have nowhere to play. So this really – he has to hit even more, even if it, even though it doesn't seem like there's a lot of offensive production. You look at his numbers compared to the rest of the team and you think he's doing his job. But when you think about the trickle effect and how this affects the entire roster, it's like he has to go out there and be like Babe Ruth or something for the Cardinals to really justify this decision. And does this make it tougher for them to bring back Jordan Walker? Yes, which was what? A, don't even get me started like on a, that decision. Yeah. We forgot about that. All, all the bad decisions. They, they've also did that. Like that didn't make sense like 10 days ago or whatever. Now the Contreras one's like notably kookier, but that has as long-term ramifications for the organization as well. He's their top prospect and he's like seemed to be hitting okay. The defense wasn't particularly good. And now he's just banished to Memphis. Pretty much because where are they going to play him? Their argument, and this I do agree with this, is he wasn't getting consistent playing time and that's a disservice. Well, that's a roster construction problem, which the Cardinals have pretty much all aboard. They have a bunch of young talent with high ceilings. You think Lars Newtbar, you think Dylan Carlson, uh, you think Brendan Donovan. And they're struggling to find ways to consistently play those guys in the lineup every day. So they've created this almost every other day platoon. And I think that's what led to a lot of their inefficiencies and inconsistencies in April was because I'm not sure how you can preach consistency and want to find it if you're rolling out a different lineup every day and roles and positions are changing every day. It's a little perplexing to ask for consistency in that regard. Katie, you said something earlier, 85 wins. You get to 85 wins in this division and you got a shot. Obviously, a lot of things have got to get started, turned around very quickly for them to even make a run at that. So I guess if you could, what are the top three things right away, if they're going to turn this thing around, that need to happen like right now for them to even have a chance? Because because like obviously that we're talking about it because you look at the names, you look at the talent, they're better than what they're playing. I think we all agree there. So if we get that scenario where they do turn around and like, look, if there's one franchise that knows all about this, it's the Cardinals, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, so what are the three things, let's say, that, that have to happen immediately, quickly for this to get going? The pitchers have to start executing, especially their starters. Miles Michaelis was signed to a two-year extension. You got to execute. You got to get out of those deep counts. Uh, Steven Matz has to find his curveball. Jack Flaherty has to be all around better. You know, you if you, John Mozeliak can go out and say, we're betting on Jack Flaherty. We're betting on these guys to make us better. Those guys have to perform up to that expectation. So one, the pitching, especially rotation, has to find a way to get more consistent and has to find a way to execute on two strikes. The Cardinals lead the National League in homers allowed on two strikes. They've allowed 21. 
It's actually kind of funny because when you look at it, they're one of the best teams in baseball and getting into 0-2 and 1-2 counts just to mess it all up. Very Cardinals lately. Um, another thing, I think people have to start solidifying their roles. And it's too early in the season for a trade, but I think the Cardinals are in a good position to ship off some of their, their depth is a strength. It's not a strength for them right now, but it is a strength. Um, they can ship off some of that depth and find a piece. Maybe that is a rotation piece. I'm not sure you can get a number one right now. I don't know how many are available, but you can get some rotation help in terms of a quality arm. And then number three, you hate to put it on one guy, but Nolan Arnato has to start. He has to start hitting. And he knows. I mean, Nolan, this is probably the toughest stretch I've ever seen Nolan Arnato play and covering him for three years. He's been accountable. He's answered every question. And the message was always the same. I'm really not playing well right now, and I have to figure it out. Uh, but the Cardinals really, offensively especially, the defense is always going to be there for Nolan, but they have to have him figure it out soon uh, for them to have a chance at you know winning baseball's worst division. The AL Central have something to say about that, but the point mm-hmm. is well taken. <laughs> That's true. Central, Midwest, really, really representing here. <laughs> All right. This uh, seems like a good place to end. We're at 45 minutes Katie Wu, thank you for joining us. That was yeah, that uh, was fun. It's illuminating. I, I I'm fascinated by the by the Cardinals. I just I I figured they're going to finish over 500 just because you know death of magic will. and whatnot. When they do like another 17 game winning streak, I'm going to text every single one of you guys, and I expect like <laughs> I don't know like a spa gift card or something. Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> I I just when's the last time they finished under 500? 2007. 2007. So one time this century, I think, is how the guys at Sesame Family Barbecue put it, which was pretty shocking when you put in that term. That's amazing. Look, man, covering a team that's going through this is like can be pretty difficult, and you're doing a heck of a job doing it. So, so keep Thanks, up the good guys. work. Thanks for making the time for us too. Anytime. This is great. You guys are hilarious. I think they should bring back Larusa. I was just thinking. It. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Talk to you later. <laughs> This has been episode 48 of the Baseball Roundtable. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about baseball because that's what we do. See ya. Thanks for listening. And I'm assuming it's not pronounced Jose Butto.